What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. I'm hanging out with Nick Mirabello on this episode of the Wedgecast. Nick is the chief inspirational officer of MassPay, one of our great clients. And somehow the guy just figures out to have so much energy, so much positivity, and just so much love for life all the time. And I think it's contagious. And I think every time I've interacted with him, I've walked away thinking like, man, I got to step my game up because he just, he has, he just has an awesome attitude of everything he does. His story's fantastic. There's definitely some high moments, some low moments, and yet somehow he's found a way to have a good attitude, power through and, and learn from everything that he does. I love this episode. I think he's got a fantastic story and just stoked to have people listen to it. Enjoy. Nick. It is so good to have you on the show. Thanks for being on the Wedgecast. Absolutely. I almost came up the starting blocks real quick there. I'm just excited and honored to be on the uh, Wedgecast with you, Matt. Thank you so much. So for, for people listening, I got to give a little backstory, a little context. So Nick works with and is the chief inspirational officer for a company called MassPay, who is an amazing strategic partner of ours. And the First interactions that I had was actually through some videos that they made that Nick was the star of. And so I'm just looking at this guy thinking like, man, he's like camera ready. He's ready to rock it out. And then we get a chance to meet. And I'm just like wondering the whole time, like, what do you put in your morning coffee? You're fired up, you're amped up, you're positive, you're excited all the time. So I'm just like, I'm just like in awe by how like influential of a person you are, even in the first like minute or two of meeting you. Oh, that's kind of you, Matt. Thank you so much. Uh, you obviously didn't see any of the outtakes, but <laughs> I, felt, I, felt, I felt good on camera, but it's always great to partner with a great brand like The Wedge, and we're, we're, we're pumped to, to do that. Um, as for your question on the morning coffee, it's funny. I probably drink more coffee being at Mass Pay now, but it's still uh, one cup every other day, usually. One cup every other day, and occasionally I'll do a dash of almond milk or maybe a dash of sugar in the raw um, or just go black and just uh, – it just it's good stuff. I always though tell people if you're gonna drink coffee or any any caffeine in the morning, right? You gotta hydrate before you caffeinate. So I, I do my morning routine. I've been doing it for eight years and it hasn't broke, but it's always uh, at least two glasses of room temperature water to get the day going, to get the mind right. Man, that's it. So I, I, I don't really know how you do that with MassPay having like cold brew on tap, iced tea on tap. Like <laughs> I, I when I when I was there for a couple of days, I think I was in and out of the bathroom every half hour because of how much like iced tea and cold brew I drank the whole time. <laughs> I, it's funny, you know, we were talking to uh, Jason, he's our founder and CEO, he's an awesome guy. He said uh, this might be a, uh, a new, the newest productivity tool. 
but it was great. It's a nice little perk. And Mass Pay takes, takes care of their people so well. And it was one thing that we, uh, you know, pulled the team. We said, you know, what, what if we did some uh, cold brew coffee and iced tea on tap? One of our clients, Atomic Cafe, if I could plug them real quick, they came and we uh, partnered up with this. And they gave us a nice uh, the kegs on tap there, which is great. But now our team members, not only they're, they're saving money, first of all, because they don't have to wait through a Starbucks or Dunkin's or a local coffee shop drive through or walk-in, but they're, they're at work and they can save their money and have it right there on behalf of MP, which is really cool. So um, just a nice little thing we wanted to add to the culture of our, of our office. Love that. That's amazing. So, all yeah. right, Nick. So, so give me the background, man. What's, uh, what's the story and what ultimately led up for you being the chief inspirational officer of MassPay? So what, what, what's the background? Where are you coming from? Uh, yeah, coming from Arlington, Massachusetts, small town, uh, 15 minutes north of Boston and went to Arlington High School. And then um, – Arlington High School, three-sport athlete, loved socializing, making new friends, and uh, sometimes doing homework. <laughs> and then it was finally – uh, What What, what, what <laughs> sports did you play? Uh, it was baseball, soccer, indoor track. Love that. Love that. Yes. But then my wonderful mother, who's always such given me sage advice throughout my life and always uh, gave me certain staples to live by. One was always treat people the way you want to be treated. The second was always – Nicholas, you can achieve anything you put your mind to, anything you put your mind to. And then third is when I got off to college and I wanted to go play. I wanted to pursue my education, but I also play baseball. And so I ended up, uh, got recruited D3. So I played a little D3 ball at uh, St. Joseph's College of Maine, small school right on Sebago Lake, 18 miles west of Portland, right in Standish, Maine. And uh, it was great. That's actually, that college, mat was smaller than my high school. My high school was 1,200 students. And our colleges, when I went, it was just about 1,000 students. So certainly like a like a cheers tv show where everyone knows your name but it was, of course it was you can't nice. walk on campus without instantly being known right away good or bad <laughs> right right but i guess i from my alluded from my high school career it was kind of a place where i need to be known as my first and last name by by my professors i can network with them work with them and uh, they can work with me and it was fantastic and my mom said nick it's hit the books then hit the ball and make sure i did in that order and um i was psyched i ended up having a wonderful college career and really got involved academically as well as um, out of the classroom with working in admissions, being a tour guide, probably because I could walk backwards and point and love talking to people. And uh, really just in, just enjoyed my four years of college and just tremendous people able to connect with and had a lot of fun playing uh, college baseball as well. So that was, uh, that's the first, first two steps in the, in the Nick M story. Um, it was after college I wanted to it was funny, actually. It's a good story. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a storyteller. I want to kind of, if I can draw your audience in a little bit, hopefully from little golden nuggets of inspiration, motivation, and please hold me accountable to it, Matt. If, if I go transition each part of the story, um, you can say, hey, Nick, what's the learning lesson there? What's the learning lesson there? Because I want to Nick, the, the, the whole, to the whole point is people want, to hear, people want to hear from you and not me. And so <laughs> take it take it where you need to go and people will love it. It's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> right on, brother. Right. Thanks for the green light. Uh, so I'll bring you back to my senior year, three weeks before graduation. I'm sitting there uh, in the admissions office, and we're tri-folding envelopes, stuffing envelopes for accepting students and all this good stuff. And my uh, friend, Kate Gallup, at the time, she was a junior. I'm a senior. She's like, hey, Nick, so you graduate in three weeks. What are you going to do with your life? I was like, buckle up. That's a loaded question, you know. But um, I think I just blurred out something like, I want to – pursue my career in baseball as long as possible if not playing just be around it work around the game do something i love and she's like do you know who my father is i said no come to find out her father's paul gallup who is now the commissioner of cape cod baseball league at the time he was the president of the chad mays uh him and his wife ran the chad mays ball club and um folks down there and it was a uh, tremendous experience long story short i ended up getting an internship there uh with the team have you well you know speak i, I get all excited about Michigan, first of all, your Michigan, University of Michigan made quite a run in the College World Series. I know, I know, exciting. and I like uh, our high school is a feeder program for a couple kids who who have gone through U of M, and I grew up like literally yeah. five miles from where they play. So just like, oh man, it yeah. was so excited to have them make a run at it. Oh, it was a blast, and of course they ran to a great team with Randy. But it was interesting because a lot of um, you know the cream of the crop goes through Cape Cod Baseball League, so the best of you know, Division One and Two and Three will play there. So it was neat to be at that experience. I was there the summer of 2003. It was a great experience for me. And I, um, it's interesting, Matt, because the Cape League has all those teams, and they have about four interns per team. 
So I was like, okay, I'll be, you know, let's say there's 10 teams. So it's a 40 intern. So I was like, all right, I'll be one of 40. But my whole life, I didn't just want to be one of, right? So I want to try to do whatever I can to make a positive impact uh, for the organization that I was working with that was employing me. So uh, come to find out, I had to uh, step up and help out wherever needed. I was hired first as the marketing PR intern. That's my um, undergraduate studies was marketing communications, public relations. So I was like, all right, marketing PR intern anything from helping the, you know, hawk merchandise to being in the press box to on and off the field. So I need to step in help with the online broadcasting of the game, right? So this is your families, probably, you know, hundreds of families listening to these games as their kids are all around the country. And, you know, the families from West Coast can't fly to Cape Cod to see their kids play every summer night. So we had to make sure we broadcast in the online game broadcast portal. So here I am, game five into the Cape, Cape Cod Baseball League, 40 games, or 44 games, excuse me. And there's this play, and I'm, I'm giving the play-by-play over the over the announcer. And the so hold on, hold on, real, real quick. I, yeah. I, I got sure, I to sure, ask, sure. Lead, leading up, because I feel like yeah. there's a punchline about to hit. So have yeah. you practiced in the mirror up at this point? Like, you know, you are, are you practicing broadcasting, or did you just do this on the fly, like you're ready to go? It's a good question. I was uh, I always loved the game of baseball, but no, I really didn't. I mean, maybe through my college career, at times I was, uh, you know, maybe helped out with like youth baseball, and, like you know, be the guy with the wireless uh, with the microphone behind, <laughs> uh, sitting at a picnic table behind the backstop at a little league game, and like help out uh, if they needed an announcer. That's about it. But that you're just saying, you know, little Johnny's up at the plate now, batting type of thing, not right, right, actually right, right. giving play by play, you know. <laughs> So you're you're kind of you're kind of glorified winging this. <laughs> yeah, you well said. Glorified winging it. Knew that the big dogs from uh, Syracuse uh, University were coming in, uh, to, but they just had their school went a little bit longer, so they couldn't make it. So I had to at least uh, fill in for the first five games. Well, fifth game, our shortstop from Vanderbilt, Ryan Klosterman, he makes this play. Is this? It was the crack of the bat. You can hear it from right over the press box. And all of a sudden, it was an epic play of a double play. And I go, you hear the crack of the bat, and all of a sudden I go, oh my, did you see that? And then I just paused, it was dead air, and I go, of course you did, because I'm supposed to explain what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and he makes a diving catch up the middle, he stabs it midair, and the guy was uh, off second base, the runner, and he um, slapped his uh, baseball glove with the ball in on the bag for a DP to end the inning, and it ended a huge rally, and the, you know, the fans went nuts, and they ran in there, and ended up having an awesome inning rally, but it was hilarious, and so... Paul Gallup and his wife, Laura Gallup, I'll never forget, we're having dinner that night. They were my host uh, parents as well there because each of the interns and players have to live with host families. And you have to work during the day and then you do the games at night. So I had double duty, two jobs. So we're sitting there. and He's like, Nick, I love your enthusiasm on the mic. So we were thinking, what if we got you out of the press box and just let your enthusiasm and energy run wild and you could have a wireless microphone at the China Maze games right there at Veterans Field, anywhere from 300 to 3,000 people per night. I said, really? I go, what do you want me to do? He goes, I don't know, in between innings. Every 90 seconds, you can run on the field. You can talk about merchandise, ask trivia questions, hawk out, whatever you want. Just have fun with it. So like, write your own script. And I was like, no way. So I got to say, like, I, I, like <laughs> briefly knowing you, that's like a green light to the absolute dream job. Like, that is, like, why did you ever leave that? That just sounds perfect for you. <laughs> Oh, it was great. It was it was stepping stone, if you will, because I went by the name of Nick at night. So I'd be like, Nick, Mike's on the mic. It was a riot. So and then the players would get into it a little bit. And so uh, one of the players, great ball player, Jeff Frazier, whole family's uh, been in the pros. Jeff is where the Todd's still playing. And so uh, Jeff was uh, ended up becoming good friends. So he was like, hey, Nick, what, what are you doing tonight, Bella? What are you doing tonight? So we're always trying to, like, muck it up and do different things. I always wanted to make a splash. We knew it was a big night. So it was like later in the season, they're right making a playoff for, uh, chase for it. So I decided like around, around the eighth inning, right? That's a good time. You get the fans right into it. It's a close game. I was going to be out in the bullpen. Now, previously, like uh, after lunch that day, took a bicycle down to the local, uh, like, what was it, Salvation Army type of thing and grabbed this, like, for like two bucks, grabbed this zoot suit, like this gray zoot suit. I put the Elmer's glue in the back and wrote, Nick at night, threw some sparkles on it. And I'm like, with a butterfly collar, some white fly kicks, and a Chatham t shirt underneath. And I had a whole baseball bag full of autographed team t shirts. And I'm like, I'm going to sprint out of the bullpen when it's the 92nd inning break. And I'm going to dive on top of the dugout. And I'm going to have the press box play that Pee Wee Herman song, 
tequila. And when they do that, I'll chuck out, I'll chuck out the autographed T-shirts. Matt, it was the most invigorating 90 seconds of my life. The crowd was loving. The place was going nuts. And it was just so much fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> and it was great. And uh, the, the players and coaching staff and the fans were like, look at Nick and I. Uh, it, was, it was cool. So I get done. I'm breathing a little heavy from uh, doing that. I get back to the bullpen. The bullpen's giving me high fives, fist bumps, chest bumps, you know. Yeah, you bump. instantly all, you know. just created legendary <laughs> status. Like, instantly, you are, you are a walking legend after that. <laughs> the best part is... This gentleman from the Cape Cod Times, the newspaper down there, Mark Vogel was his name. He goes, uh, Nick, I've been covering Cape League games for about 20 years. What the, what was that? What the heck was that? I've never seen that before. And then all of a sudden, before I know it, dude, I'm getting interviewed by the Cape Cod Times. Or fast forward two weeks later, boom, on the like front page of the sports, the Cape Cod Times, they have a three-page article about Nick at Night at Chatham A's games. And I was like, yes, I made it. on a intern getting uh, highlighted. It was a blast. And they highlighted, like, the guys I lived with, the players I lived with, from the family to the, everything I was doing. And I, in, in that, I talked about, like, eventually I want to, you know, have Theo Epstein's job or something like that. That was, was one of my dreams. And it was a blast. But it ended up uh, turning into a minor league baseball gig. And then I worked uh, just about four seasons for the – Yardell Mamba Shorebirds, the class A affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles. And I worked my way up the ladder as director of marketing because I had an amazing mentor, amazing people there. And I was living the dream, dude. My desk was a 30 second walk to home plate. And I was working the game of baseball, like I said, three weeks prior to my college graduation. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. So I guess, like, through all that, after, like, okay, so you have, you have, like, the cream of the crop, the highlight moment, like, you're getting high fives. Two weeks later, a newspaper <laughs> article come out. Like, how do you mm-hmm. keep, like, how do you come down from that high of an experience and just like keep the fire that you have throughout the next, like giving a couple, like give, given a couple years, like working in minor, minor league teams. Well, the, the cool thing was I, I, it gave me like, it was like a, the aha moment, a light bulb went off and said, Hey, you have the energy to help motivate and inspire because previously to like what I was doing uh, during the day, my day job, if you will, before being Nick at night at Chatham A's games was I was a coach to, nine to 17 year old youth baseball and i got to coach um be coach nick uh to these kids uh giving back to the game and it was incredible and so that was really neat because then they'd be at the game but then i talk about like you know telling kids to go for their dreams like if you want to try to play play, pro ball play it if you if you can't don't have the skill of the b at the pro level um do whatever you can you know that's why i'm going to go play d3 ball and then make the most of it and then just take the stepping stones like really create the life you want to live and it's not easy uh, maybe easy to say, but hard to do, but you can put the time in, put the things in, and all of a sudden you'll get noticed and you'll get, you'll kind of make your time shine. So I wanted to make my time shine. And then, uh, like I said, that led to a dream job working for the Baltimore Orioles uh, minor league organization who I had an amazing mentor and good friend, uh, Steven C. Yarrow. Steve Yarrow is one of the best leaders, mentors I've ever had. And uh, he's, he was incredible. He kind of saw um, the talent uh, behind that news article because You'll, you'll like this. We went to, um, I went to a professional baseball employment job fair called PEBO, P-B-E-O. And every year, PEBO holds this job for Matt. Um, everywhere it's a, every year, it's a different part of the country. The year that I was going there was in New Orleans, actually. So I was out in New Orleans, and there's about 3,000 college grads, 3,000 college grads, male and female, all vying for about 300 jobs within professional baseball. Some of them are the pros, the bigs, and some of them are minor leagues. So you have 3,000 graduates going for 300 jobs. So I went down there, and I was, okay, I'm going to take my resume. And you better believe I got, like, the thickest cardstock at Kinko's Goodbye to put my cardstock uh, resume in there. Of course. Then, you got to stick out somehow, right? <laughs> <laughs> then I, I printed the cardstock on the same brick paper uh, that, that Cape Cod Times article, and I stapled that um, article to every single one of my resumes. made 100 copies, and I put my resume in 100 different boxes. And all of a sudden, the people – the um, some of the um, girls and guys I was with down there, you know, you kind of, you know, form friends and uh, my buddy Matt and I was down there and we kind of, you know, networked and it was like, okay, how can we all go, go at this together? And all of a sudden someone said to me, Hey, Marabella, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just stapling this to my resume. So I'm dropping the box. Like, 
dude, no one's doing that. They're like, come on, let's go. Let's get drinks. Let's go to dinner. No one's doing that. And so I was like, oh, I'll catch up with you. And then in my head, Matt, I'm like, yeah, exactly. No one's doing this. So you got to yeah, stand out. Nobody's doing this time. and nobody's going to get a job like me. <laughs> like, this is, this, is, this is the home run. This is why I'm going to get this gig. <laughs> Even when I put my uh, uh, resume in the box of like the AGM of the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, fly, but, yo, shoot, hey, shoot your shot. You got to shoot your shot. <laughs> Shoot for the moon. If you miss, you'll land among the stars. Exactly. So, but I, exactly. So I, I dropped off 100 blocks. I was very fortunate. I was very grateful. I ended up uh, landing 10 job interviews within that three-day conference. And then I was able to have a couple job offers. But it was Steve Yaros of um, the Del Marva Shorebirds, who's the Class A affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles down in Salisbury, Maryland, which is like two hours south of Baltimore, 30 minutes from the uh, coast, right? Uh, Ocean City, Maryland. Great spot. So, I mean, I heard that some baseball execs, Matt, were just tossing my resume in that article in the trash or in the recycle bin. And I think to this day, I got to find out if this is like a lure, but uh, Steve was like, because he, he was at like a round table with all these execs from the Orioles and others, he reached out of the recycle bin. He's like, wait, who's this kid? He's like, I got to interview him. And then the rest was history. And I ended up uh, having an amazing run with Steve and the entire team uh, down there with, uh, in Maryland. It was amazing. That is unfreaking believable. Like that is that is like one of the coolest stories I I've ever heard. So, how does that transition into ultimately creating yourself yeah. as a a role in like well, I obviously like chief igniter, chief inspirational officer. Like obviously mm-hmm. you and I we we've kind of talked backstories a little bit too, but like how does that transition in from like baseball to all of a sudden like seeing yourself shine as like a leader and an inspirational person? Yeah, uh, thank you. So in 2010, I decided to take a leap into entrepreneurship. I started my own my own company, my own brand. It was called You Rock. Love that. Will you, uh, will you repeat that, how you opened that? Because people need to hear that more. Sure, sure. No problem. So back in 2010, I decided to um, take the leap into entrepreneurship and open my own brand, my own company called You Rock. And I really wanted You Rock to um, – have my two passions, which were motivation and marketing. And I was wanting to blend those together because after the baseball gig, I went on to work for Philadelphia for two years. I worked in the Wachovia Center and Wachovia Spectrum at the time. So like the Flyers and Sixers play. And I was on the marketing complex marketing team. And it was amazing two years in Philly and being in the fourth largest media market in the nation, got to learn a lot. And our jobs were to promote market and advertise every single um, gig that came into those buildings other than the Flyers or Sixers. So I'm talking Ringling Bell and Barley Circus, the Blue Man Group, Disney on Ice, um, you name it, we did it. Wings of the Cross, Harmon Glowchars. It was a blast. All the rock concerts, all the pop, all the concerts. So after the two years there, the way that company, and I'm getting to the U-Rock launch and then how it led to Mass Pay. So uh, the way that company worked is like once you kind of conquered Philly, you would then get, uh, I said shipped, but it was the right where it was promoted, promoted to another building to run it. And there's some tremendous people that have still worked for that company. It's phenomenal. I have some great friends um, that still still work for them. And uh, I just didn't want to go on that path. I just didn't want to go out west or go down south or just I, I don't mind going to a place I don't know people, but I just didn't uh, I just didn't see that journey for myself. So I said, okay, let me go back to let me give my alma mater a call and call up St. Joe's and see if there's anything. I want to maybe pursue a grad degree and see what we can work out. Well, the stars align. I ended up getting uh, the director of student activities, student development, assistant baseball coach, got to go back and coach with my coach, who's a living legend. He's been coaching for 25 years, winning his coach at St. Joe's, over 600 wins. And I got to be his assistant coach for three years and coach college ball and motivate college ball players and, and college students, which was a passion of mine. So that was all well and good. I did that for three years. And then it was 2010. I was like, I got to make the leap. And so from 2010, um, I decided to start UROC. And the impetus of U-Rock was really to let people know that they rock. They can do it. Boost their self-confidence, um, whether it would be in a conference room, a boardroom, or a classroom, uh, anywhere from grade school to, um, you know, CEOs. I want to motivate and inspire. From U-Rock talks to my bread and butter, which was U-Rock vision board parties or U-Rock vision board workshops. And that's uh, – have you ever done or heard of a vision board, Matt? Um, I don't know if I have. And that's okay. Basically, I feel like I feel like I, I feel like I should have, but I don't know if I have. Mm-hmm. Well, others may call it a dream board. I have heard of that. Okay, so basically, no technology necessary. It's just you, bunch of magazines, glue sticks, scissors, 
and a board and you're like flipping through these magazines and you're trying to rip out tarot, cut out images and pictures and words that jump off the page you, that inspire you, that motivate you, that you want to obtain and attract more in your life. So it could be whether it's um, a new job promotion or a new car or more money or more uh, freedom, love, peace, um, whatever it may be that you want more in your life. Uh, eat healthy, exercise more. Just it's a like I tell people, put anything on your dream board, anything on your vision board that's going to make you happy, feel positive, feel self confident for yourself, and really remind, refresh, and re-energize what you want to do. So it was certainly a challenge, and then uh, it was not easy. I uh, ended up moving to a small seacoast city uh, called Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and now it's a booming uh, mini city. But Portsmouth, New Hampshire was uh, at the time, 2010 was the number one small city in, uh, on the East Coast start for a startup. So I said, okay, let me uh, go there. Dude, sold my car and just followed the dream. And said, I'm going to work. Uh, I'll walk walking distance to a restaurant. I'll bartend and work and rest, serve tables during the, uh, during the night and do U-Rock by day. And I did that grind for a good uh, about three years. Um, and it was a grind. But it was uh, – I learned a lot, met a lot of wonderful people, a lot of great supporters and believers. But I had to, like – try to get into businesses because I was making a positive impact. But it's like, where's the positive bottom line too to, to, to grow the business. And right, it wasn't right. until I started to like dip into the Inc 5,000 companies and start cold calling, cold calling, cold calling, got a lot of no's, a lot of hangups to like, what we're going to play with glue sticks for three hours, Nick, we're not doing that. <laughs> I was like, well, uh, visions and dreams are important. Visualize, realize, right. Well, long story short, I ended up getting – made the universe uh, put it all in place. Maybe I was doing the right activity and the right behavior uh, from cold calling and sales and hitting the – you know, hitting the – literally feet on the street because <laughs> I didn't have the vehicle at the time. Um, but I got to meet um, the founder and owner, Jason Maxwell, of MassPay, and it was a really interesting meeting that we had. And then all of a sudden it led into, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll invest in a workshop. Show me what a UROC workshop can do. We'll see what happens. And that was like my first corporate client, if you will. And then it snowballed and I probably ended up um, working with after MassPay, the first vision board party with them, probably about 50 different companies in six different states. Uh, really, a really great run. And then um, September of 2016, Jason and I wrote to lunch and I just kept in touch with them from snail mail. Thank yous to keep in touch with me. He'd always give me referrals and have a cup of coffee with him or a beer and hang out and talk and pass ideas back and forth. Or he asked me, he said, um, actually I'll pause for a moment right there because it's a good, good moment when he, uh, when he, um, how it all came about of me being, uh, their chief inspiration officer. So before I dive into that, did you have any questions, uh, before that? Cause I, I get excited about that. It was a good turning point. No, no. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I, and I don't want to break up the transition. I guess the only question I have, well, I've got plenty, but like the one I wanted to <laughs> clarify. So go, going back to like your, your days of like inspiring baseball players. So am I allowed to ask a tough question? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So one thing I've always wondered with coaches, um, especially at the high level is like a lot of your drive and fire as a coach because of regrets of what you didn't do as a player. And so I guess my question to you slightly different is like, is your fire to make players better? Was any of that driven by out of like regret of what you didn't do on the table or what you might've left on the table, you know, as a player yourself, or is this simply just because it's like you truly love to see players succeed? I mean, was there any, any part of you that felt kind of this, like, man, I didn't do it enough. So I, I want to help you get there. Wow. Phenomenal question. Love that. Love that. No one's asked me that before. So, um, Interesting, because you do, no matter what level you play the game, you do have regrets, whether you, either you should listen to your coach more or you should have sacrificed fun when you swung away or uh, you should have took one more step before you had that diving catch. Interesting. Or maybe worked a little bit harder in the gym or had a more balance of classwork to, to weight room type of thing. So um, I think those will live with every athlete. But, yes, you have to have the mental toughness to have that shift, that mindset shift to not let that pour onto your players because they're not going to gravitate towards that because then they're going to think you're like, dude, you're has, like, you know, you're has been like, like, what's up? We close the yearbook. It's not the glory days. And at the end of the day, anything in life, it's not about us, right? It's about who you're trying to coach, who you're trying to inspire, who you're trying to motivate. And I was able to, I learned a lot during those three years. I got to learn a lot from the other side, from Coach Sam Bourne and, and being with the program. And one of the first players I could, uh, had a chance to maybe work with was Brian Schools, 
who was a dirt dog, uh, tough player, captain, third baseman. Um, but he's also older. And I was, uh, and I, you know, I made sure that I wasn't going to step on toes because I, he, he's a senior captain and I'm just coming into his senior year. So I knew I had one year with him. And one thing I, uh, he had so much good talent, but I said, this kid can really bunt. He can move. He can, there's a weapon with D3 small ball. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a sta- it was a standing record. It wasn't, there was no plaque for it, but I was very blessed with speed. So one of the things I was able to contribute during my four years was some of the small ball game. And I played outfield bat leadoff and like the steel bases. So I ended up having one season, man, I had 44 hits and half of them were base hit bunts. So I had 22 base hit bunts. And at the time that was like a little bit unheard of. So I said, this guy schools, he can beat that. He can beat that, uh, you know, that little record, but it's a weapon that we can have in the, uh, on the leadoff spot. So one day, multiple days, I kept on, kept on lay after practice and asked him if he wanted to do that. We'd set up a hula hoop on the third base side and the first base side, and he'd have to get X amount into the hula hoop to, 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 um, you know, get the perfect spot, the perfect bomb where no man's land, where you can just kind of scoot over the first. And now I learned this from my Babe Ruth coach, Tom Adams, who was a tremendous human being in my life, amazing mentor. Um, and I got to, he coached me for four years in Babe Ruth and summer ball, but he did that with me. And so I got to pass the torch on to Brian and schools. He did it. And boom, you know, I think he had like 25 or 27 base hit bunts. And then uh, my third year coaching, um, Chris Soup Campbell, shortstop, another stud ball player. He batted third or fourth for uh, first and third for us. And uh, he ended up, I think, beating schools he record with base hit punts. And he went on. He was, I mean, both of them were, you know, complete, complete uh, ball players, student athletes, great people. So that's, I guess, a little thing of trying to make sure I closed my own yearbook so I could really um, help those guys with, you know, with their career and what they could do. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that it was transitioning into like, okay, you, you had this experience yourself that, you know, whether you left something on the table or you knew that that was sort of your your glory moment and you identified mm-hmm. with a specific player that was basically at the same stage and you helped take him to a step further. I feel like that's the perfect balance of like, man, don't leave anything on the table. This was my experience. And now let me take you to a level that, you know, from that and, you know, us two together ultimately takes you to an even better level too. So I think that's special. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. No, thank you. And I think it's all about you know being leaders. It doesn't matter if you're coaching a game of baseball or or coaching a team in, in healthcare or finances or whatever it may be or school teaching. But is that um, transparency and humility is huge. And there's one time where I felt like I didn't hit pregame fungos well enough. I felt like I didn't set the outfielders up because I was also the outfield coach. I was like, I felt like I didn't set our outfielders up for success. Unfortunately, we lost the second half of a doubleheader there. And so coach talked to us, but there's some things that might have happened on and off the field that maybe the guys weren't totally set up for success either. So long story short, coach was going to have the guys sprint after the game. Now, I knew that as a player that it happened. But as a coach, we went around and we had to say a few things to the players maybe uh, right before the sprints took off. And I said, I feel like I didn't do my part today as best as I could have, gentlemen. Maybe my head wasn't in because I was thinking about work or thinking about grad school or thinking of whatever I was thinking about. But I ended up running the sprints with them. <laughs> and coach probably thought I was nuts. They're like, but I think that kind of helped a little bit. It built that break down that walls a little bit and say, okay, you know, you know Coach Marbell, he, he cares about us. He can empathize with us, and that's a big part of life, right? Empathy is, is having that, having that, not just sympathizing, but be able to empathize and, and kind of walk through their shoes and, and and help each other out and let them know that you care. Because and that's one thing I learned from Steve Yaros and learned from Jason Maxwell does that amazingly well. Uh, my good friend Jessica Todd, who's running an amazing business in Portsmouth, um, Wendy, I mean all these um, Wendy Clement who runs Kennedy Gallery and Custom Framing in Portsmouth. Sorry, I put the plug, but I said those are like five people in my life that really helped me pave the way of you. It's all about no one cares how much you know, but it's how much do you care. You know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and showing that you care for your people, you'll walk with them, you'll run with them, you'll do whatever it takes. Um, it, you can really make some magic happen. I So quick, cheap plug on that from like a coach uh, uh, empathizing with his players. So I, I, was a mm-hmm. lacro- I was a lacrosse player, and we had a coach who was an absolute living legend. He was a four-time All-American at Navy back when like – Wow. You know, when when like lacrosse was entirely an East Coast sport, like an actual mm-hmm. OG, this guy is like a legend. And one of our practices, um, there was a, one of our players who was kind of a superstar, but kind of had an attitude. He was a good friend of mine, but he, you know, mm-hmm. looking back at it at the time, you know, he kind of could be a prick at times. But one of the practices, yeah. he showed up late. He showed up late and our coach mm-hmm. made everybody stand on the sidelines and he ran sprints. The coach, our coach ran sprints in front wow. of us to prove 
how much he was dedicated to the team and he needed dedication out of us. And it was one of the most life changing experience watching this like mid fifties, sixties guy. And we all look at it this we're thinking, all right, we're going to go to bat for this guy now. Like this is game changing. So anyways, I I can, I can totally empathize with that. So that's awesome. So I love that. Now uh, now you're in hall. It's Holland, uh, Michigan, right? Yeah, you got it. Yep. Were you, is it Holland high? What high school was that? Well, I actually grew up in Ann Arbor, so I went through Saline schools. So, like, uh, I grew up just south, like, so literally where U of M, like, I, I'm yeah. about five minutes south of that in a town called Saline is where I grew up. Wow. What a legendary coach move. I love that. And it stuck that with was, you today. You know, that's such a picture that illustrates for you. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, ah, all right. Stuff. So, you're, you're sitting in the room with Jason. So, what's happening after yeah. this? All right. So, we're at a uh, coffee shop. And it was interesting because another, I guess, lesson for uh, for your listeners, the audience, or whoever may, uh, may be, is like boosting your own self confidence, you know. And 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 it was interesting because we all have, you know, people have their own forms of anxiety, have this and that. And I was a little bit nervous about that. I mean, but I always told people whether I was coaching the college uh, students or players, it's like if you're nervous about something, it shows that you care. So that's okay. So you want to prepare and you care and you're nervous about it. So I was nervous going to this meeting because at the time it was. Um, Brian Gasparro was uh, one of our newest uh, sales executives, and he was coming up and going to be in the uh, Portsmouth uh, market for a little bit. So, so Brian Gasparro, Jason Maxwell coming up to meet at a coffee shop in Portsmouth, and I thought I was like, you know what, I'll uh, I'll bring someone else with me to add value to the meeting, you know, because I don't want to talk all about you, Rock. I want to obviously ask questions about their needs and wants, but since it's going to be two of them, why don't I bring a second person? But I don't have like you, Rock's only a, <laughs> it's a company of one, right? So, network and Brought a really, really nice gentleman who's a uh, financial author, financial guy. I'm thinking, okay, those would be a good balance. Now, um, the conversation was going, and it was going a few different directions, and I was thinking, like, uh, it's not going to be exactly, like, I'm not finding out enough as I need to find out with them. Well, that gentleman ended up having to, he went to go use the restroom. Brian went to go get, like, a maybe a Danish or a cup of coffee or something. So it was, like, maybe a minute or two. I'm at the table, just Jason and I, right? First encounter. He goes, just threw it right at me. And if you, you got to know him, he just he's like, Nick, 30 seconds, what do you do? And then, boom, I just gave him the 30-second pitch of U-Rock. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. He was like, let's do that. <laughs> he's like, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. He goes, I'm not sure I'm a little apprehensive about it, but uh, at least uh, here, you know, Denise Howard's with my teammate and his uh, executive assistant, executive admin, um, and she does so much for our office too. And so she me, gave me her business card. I had to link up with Denise. Before I knew it, I was, you know, emailing her. Um, back and forth the last couple of days, the next couple of days, and then uh, end up doing a conference call with Jason uh, and Denise and myself. And he did, he planned it really smart. He was great. He ended up doing it. He came up to Portsmouth. They did a three hour um, like sales retreat with the sales and marketing folks and himself and the other executives, like up in our conference room at the iOS building. And then I set up a conference room for them to like, after lunch, they would come walk into my UROC workshop, if you will. I wanted them to dream big. And I talked about the growth of their company and what they could do at the time. I mean, they were at the time under 20 employees. Now we're uh, well over 60 employees and it's just a a phenomenal company that's fast growing. But that was really neat for them to step in there for three hours and and do a UROC workshop and uh, for me to make an impact. And it was, it was great that Jason, you know, gave me a shot and believed in me. That is, that is amazing. So what is ultimate? And also after spending a little bit of time with him, I love how direct he is up front. And then as you're talking and as you get to know him, you realize how much he cares about what you have to say. Like he's like, he, he, he pushes the, like, get it out, answer what, you know, answer directly. But then it's like, I want to know deeper about you. And I I've been, I've been even in like the short time I've spent with him, I think he's wickedly smart and also has a unique way of like pairing how much he cares about people with that too, which is great. Oh, bright individual, hard work. And I mean, he bootstraps our company, you know, this August will be 15 years old. Um, last day and we're, you know, going and growing still, which is fantastic. But you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, I'll do uh, our biweekly one-on-ones. We try to make, especially with the nice weather, uh, walk and talks. And so we'll pow walk around the building complex and, and talk about stuff, but there's no one, <laughs> it's so funny. He'll come right into your kitchen sink and be like, all right, what do I suck at? Give me some feedback. Give me some constructive criticism. It's like <laughs> you're my boss. You like you're also you know. But uh, it's cool. It's like I'll can I can I be out. honest with you? Because if I'm honest, <laughs> you're gonna fire me. But <laughs> oh, it's, it's priceless. Uh, 
but he's good. I mean, that's one of our core values, too, is to be open, honest, candid, and forthcoming, and really just to give feedback on the fly, and it could be positive, negative, constructive criticism. I like to give the positive sandwich uh, when I give feedback to people, but um, it's just it's just, it's a great uh, fast-paced environment, great place to work, but it's also really cool to have, to have a leader like that, um, you know, that's humble, hardworking, and, and cares about the people. Yeah, that's too good. So what is most of your day-to-day now? Um, twofold, really. First, internally, love to inspire, motivate, and celebrate our team on a daily basis. Uh, when I'm there, I'm pretty much there four days a week. I work uh, remotely around the office one day a week. And then externally is to bring our newest wellness employee engagement offering to our clients and prospects. And that's what we call an impact with the MP right in the middle, impact. So it's uh, bring out MP's Chief Inspiration Officer, Nick Murbello, to make a positive impact with workshops and keynotes. And those are starting to pick up. That's just been the newest offering of uh, 2019 that's just up and running. And so those are my, uh, my two, two, two biggest things, our internal team, and then make an impact externally uh, for ourselves, and as well as you know, helping out with the community. One of our core values, love community. We're always constantly doing work with, our, we have our own nonprofit that we started eight years ago, fed up with cancer, because we're all fed up, and it started, it's a beautiful way how it started. Uh, long story short, one of our um, MP teammates, Matt, was um, diagnosed with cervical cancer. And so Jason, the other leaders in the company rallied around, so okay, how can we help this person? How can we help their family, whether it be sending mails and helping them again, the care that they need. And rather than traveling to Boston every single day for one of the best you know medical facilities we know around the country, but, um, Right in the North Shore of Massachusetts, not too far where you where you stayed, um, right up the street from Salem and Danvers is the North Shore Medical Center. And we teamed up with them, and we've been able to give back to them every single year. All the money we raise for Fed Up with Cancer stays local, and uh, they built a brand-new cancer ward. They have uh, The money goes to cancer research, cancer prevention, and their patients and families. And that's a nonprofit that, that MassPay started eight years ago, and so it's really going well. And, um, you know, Jason lost his dad at a young age to cancer. His, Jason's wife lost a um, brother. I mean, as we all know, we, I'm sure all of our your listeners and family and friends love it. We've all been touched directly and directly with that with that terrible disease. And so we're trying to do whatever we can to to battle it and, and, and work together and, and for the for the community. So that's uh those are really the three pillars I guess I have is my internal team, externally to our clients and prospects, and our community. How special is that? I mean I yeah, that's that's powerful stuff, and what an impact you get to have. So this is where this is where I really want to want to hit it home. And I'm I'm I've actually you've been somebody who I've had circled for a while to truly ask this question. But like, what is it at the end of the day that gets you gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that gets you the most fired up? Oh, yeah, I love the webcast question. Um, the the ability to make a positive impact in someone's life. I, I really feel that if you know, first of all, if we're um, you got to find the little things in life, especially the quiet moments, um, which is really helpful. And I think what fires me get out of bed is that um, you know every day can be different, but it's something that I've said and preached um, in my life and given to friends and family and loved ones. But sometimes it takes a little bit longer to realize it, but we truly can create the life, the days, the weeks, the months that we want to have. Now, granted. Life can kick you down. Life can, life can be hard. And I always tell people within my keynotes, you know, life is hard, but let's not be so hard on ourselves. You know, there's times where adversity strikes, um, but it's how you have that mindset shift to deal with it, um, how you can overcome those challenges. And I'm a firm, firm believer that really the positive thinking, um, the positive thoughts will equal positive results. And, and you have to do certain things. It takes a little hard work to do that. You have to do certain morning routines or evening routines to, to get you in that mindset, to have that mental toughness, to fight through it. Um, back in 2001, I was a, was a freak injury, Matt. It was awful. It was, I had a face, the right side of my face was paralyzed. I was, uh, you know, probably a six hour surgery of a metal plate and four screws in the side of my head. And you wouldn't tell it by looking at me, but I had, a, it was an awful flag football injury. Our oh my goodness. At the time. Oh, it was, we collide because our baseball team did an off season workout. Uh, and we wanted to be, why not do play, play flag football? Um, but that was, uh, the frozen tundra of, uh, Standish, Maine. And man, I got his, this gentleman was six, three, you know, Jesse LaCase, a moose from Skowhegan, Maine. He was an incredible pro ball player in Germany, also makes baseball bats. The guy is an absolute man-child. And his forehead, Matt, went directly all impact, all his torque and force went directly into the right side of my face. I didn't get knocked out, but my entire right side of my face was shattered. It was awful. And, uh, you know, 
uh, <laughs> the good Lord and the universe was looking after me because I was, I got, when I initially made the ambulance in the hospital at the Portland, Maine Medical Center, I was blessed with Dr. Russell Collette, who happened to be the surgeon for the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team for like X amount of years and was going to be going into retirement to like relax in Maine. Well, I ended up having him as my surgeon. He's done that surgery thousands of times from broken zygomatic bones to cheekbones to jaws to everything, uh, orbital bones. I was blind in my right eye for eight hours. Like all that stuff started happening. And I just said, if I, obviously I cried, <laughs> but if I like sat there in my own tears and felt sorry for myself and, and thought there was no way out and like this was going to change my life, I said, this can change my life. It can make me or break me. You know, so what am I going to do? You know, because like I listen to Les Brown a lot. You know, Les Brown's like, life knocks you down. If you get knocked down, you fall on your back. And if you fall on your back, you can look up. And if you can look up, you can get up. You know, and so that that was what I, I thought that, that played in my head during in the hospital bed. That played in my head when I was, you know, having to shuffle my feet for two months because I couldn't walk because of the impact on the cheekbone. So luckily I was able to fight through that and get through that. And there's other adversity that I've been in my life and whether it's losing loved ones or scary things happen to you. It's like, okay, let's, let's take a deep breath, find the gratitude, find the beautiful, find the learning lessons within those quiet moments for a second and find what you can do, what positive things you can take out of these negative times. That's going to help you either get up to fight back, you know? So um, that's how I've just continued to live my life and, and just having a, I really have just an aggressive vision on, putting things down on paper of the days, the weeks, the months, the years, the life that I want to live from the people I want to meet, the people I want to connect with um, to meeting my beautiful wife who I have um, so happy with now, you know, this past June, we've been married for a year and we truly are soulmates. And it's just, um, it's, it's things that my, my mother, my father, my sister have installed in me, the people in my life that uh, the close friends and family I've had from Arlington to St. Joe's to the Philly days to St. Joe's to U-Rock mass pay it's just um really surrounding yourself with positive people positive places positive things really can um do wonders for you so i guess that all fires me up to get out of bed in the morning (laughs) i am just gonna i'm just gonna end my day at just an absolute perfect (laughs) place because of that i mean seriously that's (laughs) you that that is just like such a special thing and i was thinking about taking this offline but i want to say this actually on here um, sure. that, me- that message you sent me, uh, basically talking about like, just like a quick one minute snippet, an idea yeah. for you that, and you can take this and do what you want with it. But okay, when I get in the car and I have a five minute car ride, right. And I might throw on, like, I'm not going to listen to a podcast, but I might throw on, you know, uh, uh, a heavy hitting rap song just to get me fired up. Or, uh, I, I listen to Christian music. So something to put me in, you know, in, in a more like calm, you know, what, or country song. Cause it's a nice day, you know, sure. whatever it is. But yeah. to think that I would potentially have Nick in my back pocket of giving me three to five minutes of like, rah, rah, let's get after it. Like go about your day, whatever you're going to go do. Like, yeah. I think you could make a huge business out of it's somewhere between a podcast and a song, but it's like three to four minutes of just inspirational chatter. Dude, I think you could make a huge business out of that. You are a, a good, Jake, great minds think alike. Jason said something similar to that. And um, that might have to be part of the impact offering. Like we can call it like your high five and I can give them five minutes of absolute motivational thunder, whatever I can do to share to the audience, what they may need. It's funny. Uh, first of all, honored and grateful. You would say something like that and think of that. So thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. You're a stud. And um, yeah, I, I will. I'm certain I already wrote it down because you write it down. It becomes reality. You write it down. It becomes reality. So I'm all fired up about that. It was, I gave you the, what I do a lot of my loved ones and friends and family is I send a, uh, little voice memo by Bello, right? Uh, so I'll just do a voice memo on the iPhone and just blast it off because it's better than leaving a voicemail. It's better than writing a text message and then you can get, you can listen to whatever you want. And I was so motivated after I listened, I think it was um, Doug Billings you interviewed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, touching on, yeah, touching on, like, like <laughs> we, that was our first episode we had to put as explicit, I think, because we say jackass probably 35 <laughs> times. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Oh, that's too good. Oh, that's, that's too so good. funny. But yeah, I was just, uh, I, I just wanted to give you a finish strong Friday, give you a little shout and, and certainly you did it. And you know what? It was so funny. I, I love listening. So I've listened to at least six uh, of the Wedgecast already, six different episodes. Love it all. And you know what really gets me going? Uh, you got to, uh, those horns that you play, that music, that vibe, right before you get uh, brought me on, right before you bring guests on. I love 
that music. I don't know if you do that through Anchor or what, but it's on. Well, it's actually, I got to I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give a shout to Mike Hendrickson. He's a good buddy of mine that I Ooh. went to school with. And he, he yeah. makes some, uh, he makes some beats and he is just like, he's the one who actually made that beat and he's been doing that. So we, we love it. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, then we'll, if we get this uh, high five going, this impact three or whatever it may be, <laughs> poet don't know it. Uh, then we got to hit up Mike uh, for some beats because that is so smooth. It puts me in a real good place. Uh, as you start to interview your guests. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for the Wedgecast. We love using Wedge with the MP Say Hired. That's our tech, uh, That's our, our new hiring solution that we've teamed up with you folks. And uh, we love everything that you guys are doing. It's a great match. And we certainly do believe, because as we all know, technology has really fast-forwarded our life and really connected all of us. But it's the people behind the technology, the people using it, people supporting it, that truly make the difference. And that's how we feel at MP, is that people make the difference. Love it, man. Well, I guess I, I, I want to leave... Uh... Any closing thoughts you have just to just to wrap it up? I think the last two are pretty much home runs. But if there's anything else you want to touch on or leave the audience with, feel free. Um, sure, I'll give uh, two quick hits. One is, um, if I can pull up the heartstrings for a moment, with compassion. I really want others and people to know that, first, compassion is a huge part of life. First, for yourself, have more self-compassion. As I said, life is hard, so don't be so hard on yourself. If we can have more self-compassion first and then compassion with others, we'll really make our world a better place. And just try to focus on your corner of the world. Uh, being compassionate for yourself can mean compassionate with others. And taking a moment, if you're in the office, like this happens so often, Matt, with other everyone's guilty of it, right? Whether it's our office, our clients, prospects, whoever it may be. But like, you'll step out of your desk or office. You'll go to someone's cube or go to someone's office, someone's, someone's desk, and be like, hey, did you get that email I sent you? It's like, whoa, <laughs> like back down for a second. How about like a hello, good morning, good afternoon, or let me know when you have four minutes, you know, that type of thing. So like just take a step back to read people's body language. Maybe they just got off the phone with an angry client. Maybe they just got off the, uh, a text message from a loved one that's sick. Like just take two seconds to evaluate yourself, your body language, barge in on someone, and then, um, and then your teammates too. So that's a huge thing is compassion. And then lastly, I got to go with um, our youth. Our youth is our future, so continue to inspire youth. Continue to um, find all the good there is in the world. That's nothing. It's a, it's a TED Talk I've been writing. I haven't hit the TED stage yet, but that's a dream that's on my vision board, if you will. But I we'll, uh, we'll, so we'll get to that. We're going we're gonna to get you there. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, brother. But it's, there's so much good happening in this world with such great people, but we have to go find it because right now, unfortunately, our news doesn't cover all the good news that there's out there. And there's so much more good news than the negative news, the scary news, and the dramatic news. There's such great things with great people in this world. We have to go find that. And there's a couple of websites that help out, but I think we can all do a better job of spreading the good news, spreading the good stuff. And living a good life, uh, great things will happen. So our youth is our future. So inspire them, inspire yourself, uh, and love life. Let's do it. Love it. You are the man. You've left me fired up today, and I think you're going to leave the listeners for tons of time to come totally fired up. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show, and uh, I just can't thank you enough. Uh, Matt, thank you for your time. You're the man, the Wedgecast. I'm an honor, honored to be a guest, so thank you so very much. Awesome. Take it easy. You too, brother. Take care.